0: open your bibles this morning to luke chapter 11 luke chapter 11 we see a narrative taking place where jesus is asked a specific question as it were concerning the way and form to pray jesus from this point forward is going to just give us kind of an outline of how we are to focus on prayer and then he is going to transition to a parable which is used to encourage prayer among believers. So, here in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, we see the narrator Luke giving us what's going on. And then we're going to start reading uh, all the way through verse 4 and have the detailed expression, the detailed outline. The form of how we are to pray. We're probably only going to look to verse 1 this morning, and it may take us a few weeks to get through the entirety of what this prayer means and how it is focused to us. But I want to start out by seeing the importance of prayer, the need of prayer, and our need to learn how to pray. Let's begin reading in verse 1 of Luke chapter 11. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive every one that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You'll recognize these words that Jesus gives as a form of prayer and a way in which that they are to kind of Focus their prayers and outline their prayers as this is also mentioned almost word for word a little bit differently in Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon on the Mount it's interesting that he doesn't give them a new or a different way to pray he doesn't say okay I'm going to give you this in contrast to what I said on the Sermon on the Mount but he gives them the exact same thing I don't know if they forgot about it at this point in Luke chapter 11 I don't know if they had forgotten Lord how is it that we are to pray Again, he had already established and focused to them a way in which and a form to pray. I find us, as disciples of Jesus Christ, very forgetful (laughs) in many ways. And I have maybe heard a sermon multiple times. I've read something. I kind of pick at my brother a little bit i call him 10 second tom which is off of an older movie where a guy just forgets who he is every 10 seconds because he'll read something and he says it's so amazing he'll read it again later and it's just as surprising the first time that he read it because he forgot that he read it and we're sometimes like that in the teaching of the scripture you know if the bible says something one time it's very important it is very important but if we have it repeated to us in the gospel narratives twice on two separate occasions, we should take special note of what it means for believers. And this form of a prayer, being that it is repeated in Luke chapter 11, as it's already been stated to us on the Sermon on the Mount, that sermon that dictates to us how kingdom life should be, attributes and characteristics of children of God that should be worked out into their life as they press into the kingdom, how he first starts out that that is how a kingdom prayer is, and then goes on to tell them again how disciples should be praying when prompted. It should be something that is paid attention to. Well, let's look at verse 1 as we see how they approach Jesus and what that means specifically to us. Let's read that again. And it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. The very first thing we see in this passage is that Jesus was praying. And it came to pass that as he was praying. Now, this paradigm that exists with Jesus Christ being both God and human, when you read this, don't gloss over the fact that Jesus Christ prayed. In his eternal deity, every person that has ever prayed, truly prayed to him, has prayed through Christ as their mediator. So we're seeing here the one that is prayed to and the one that is prayed through is now turning his attention to the Father and praying. We're seeing that he who is truly God and is prayed to is equally truly man and showing a need of prayer. As a human, the need to pray This is so pivotal to us because sometimes I think that prayer, you know, yeah, I forgot to pray today. I forgot that necessary part of the Christian service to pray is just what it is. You know, prayer life didn't go. And sometimes even in our own family, you know, we try to pray over meals. Um, We try to pray right before we go to bed. And we sometimes regulate it towards those moments. But as we're told by the Apostle Paul that we should be always about a mind of prayer, always praying. That means a mind that is bent towards looking to God as the source of our help. But even not just a mentality that's there, but verbally actually doing it. Jesus shows that he himself in his humanity, now he never was not deity, we have to understand that, he was always God. There was never a point in his earthly ministry, whether in the nativity scene, on the cross, Everywhere that he ever existed in his humanity and still exists after his resurrection, he is still God, right? Always God, but yet in his humanity. It may be confusing to us, but we're given this pattern that Jesus Christ as a human prayed. John the Baptist, he who was named the greatest among women, those born among women, not among women, but greatest born among women. He was a man. Uh, no identity issues there. He was born among women, a man, and, <laughs> you know, John was called the greatest of those born among women, but yet we see in this text, as John also taught his disciples, John, who was greatest among those born of women, prayed. If Jesus Christ Who was god manifest in the flesh the perfect man the only man that has walked this world without sin prayed if john the baptist who was the greatest of those born of women who is the forerunner of jesus christ one of the few people prophesied of the old testament in the old testament to be come about in the new testament you know you we have a lot of prophecies of jesus A lot of prophecies of Jesus. Well, you have eight prophecies solely in Psalm chapter 22. In one chapter, you have eight prophecies, let alone the entirety of the Old Testament canon. And if you look back at the Old Testament, you have a lot of stuff about Jesus. John the Baptist was one of the few other men, the few other people that were prophesied to come, the forerunner of Jesus who would make the way straight. If that man bowed his head in prayer to God, this should teach us the need for prayer for us. The necessary nature of bowing our heads to God in prayer. So he says, it came to pass as he was praying, his disciples see him praying, they come to him praying. They are coming to him, seeing him praying. Jesus prayed often, he prayed after his baptism, he prayed during the Mount of Transfiguration. You can see him praying with his 12 disciples. You see both personal, intimate prayer where he goes aside and prays by himself, and you also see public prayer in which he goes with his disciples and prays with them. It wasn't something that was just kept to himself. It was something that they did openly. It was something that was a daily part of his life to communicate to his father. The greatest prayer that we see focused the words of Christ's prayer in John chapter 17 that we call the high priestly prayer of Christ. Now, sometimes people call this prayer the Lord's prayer, and I understand what they mean by that. It's the Lord's outline prayer for his disciples. I prefer the model prayer because it's a model for us. If you want to see Jesus's actual verbal prayer, the Lord's prayer, you go to John chapter 17, and you see his high priestly prayer. The reason we call it that is because Christ, as our high priest Is about to give himself as the sacrifice for his people and as the priests were to pray before they gave that sacrifice Christ is going up and going to pray before he gives the ultimate final sacrifice and he begins to pray prayer was something that was observable in Christ's ministry it was something so observable that when they see Jesus doing it they're gonna go to him and ask him how are you praying Lord (laughs) you're our master you're the one that we're going to to find out how to pray I'm kind of intimidated at times because the first time uh, i started asking my children to pray at night sometimes they will sometimes they won't i don't pressure them because that's their decision you know sometimes if you pressure a child to do something so much they're going to hate it as an adult so i'm not going to pressure them every night to pray now i will say for church you know sometimes they're like can we play legos i'm like no it's church it's god's day right but you know praying at night you know that's daddy's thing or mama's thing if daddy's not there sometimes they'll pray sometimes they won't but the first time that i ever asked luke and i remember this very vividly very vividly i said luke you want to pray and he verbatim except for a few things he wanted to pray for verbatim prayed exactly what i pray every single day with him i sank because don't mimic me (laughs) that was frightening He's watching, right? He watches every step, every motion. He everything I say that they do. And, you know, I try to, you know, live a very life that is a good pattern for them. It's not always the way that it is, but it's sync because I realize that even the way that they approach God, they're learning from me. They're seeing me do it, and they're approaching God in the same fashion in which they see Daddy do it. This past week, I, I got mad at something and I said something I shouldn't have said and I'm not gonna tell you what it was. I'll let you try to sit there and think, what did a preacher say? But I, I said something I shouldn't. He said, daddy, you know you shouldn't say that. Levi did. And I'm like, you be quiet, boy. Go to the other room. <laughs> this is a private conversation on the phone. I was having a rough day. And it, you know, it, it was funny over something that was a very, very tragic situation. But they're watching. They're always watching. I ask at, at this point, I'm gonna ask this again at the end. If people observed us like they're observing Christ and as they observe John the Baptist, would they think to ask, how do you pray? If people just observed us, would they think to ask, that's a praying person. I want to know how to pray. I want to know how you pray. I want to know what to say in prayer. I want to know what it is that you do during prayer because I, I want you to teach me. Would somebody ask me as a believer in Jesus Christ, how do you pray? And if they did ask, secondly, if they did ask, would I even know how to direct them? Praise God, he gives us direction here. Now, I do not believe that here it's one of those uh, things that he tells you to just say this verbatim say this verbatim every single time that would be vain repetition it's not uh, by accident that in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount that he not only tells him this former outline of a prayer but then also turns around and says in the same breath don't be like the hypocrites that pray with vain repetition don't just stand up and say the same thing every single time just to be heard and just so people hear you saying this right You know, vain repetition is bad. And I will tell you this, some of the best prayers that I've heard have been long and heartfelt. And some of the best prayers I've heard have been short and heartfelt. Just repeating it doesn't do anything. But he's giving us a a form in which that we are to follow, as it were, to show us certain principles. I've equated it to this. Here we have an outline of a prayer. Well, you know, most preachers, when they get in the pulpit, have some type of what sonny elder sonny piles called a skeleton it's a skeleton you've seen those skeletons in science rooms where they're on a stick and they're pushed in a closet they're pulled out of the closet it's just a skeleton it's an outline it's headings it's just here's a heading here's a heading but you expound on the skeleton or that those outlines right you go from this is a specific thing that we are told to say in a sense and we expound on it It's the same thing here. We're not to just say verbatim and look up and say, uh, Our Heavenly Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in earth, as in so in heaven. We're not to just get up here and repeat it vainly. Now, I'm not against repeating it as we would a song. But if we do it without actually having our heart focused on what it says and expounding on it, it's missing the point. Sometimes I've broken down into tears and just repeated this model prayer because I didn't know what else to say. (laughs) I was hurting so bad I just said this and that wasn't wrong. You know why? Because my heart was broken and I needed to just repeat this because the Lord showed me something in this prayer that's a form that we follow. But it's not just a vain form because Christ condemned the hypocrisy of vain, empty, repetitive-to-be-seen religion. You know, in one way, they're asking to be taught how to pray. Now, in the new birth, we're taught to pray in a sense. And I'm going to distinguish here because I want us to see the differences. We're taught to pray. When you, by God's grace, had God speak to your soul individually, and he brought you from a death in sin to a life in christ your heart was immediately at that point given life and you were taught in a sense the need of prayer just as a child when they are brought into this world and uh that child takes that first breath and it's amazing when you first hear that child just yell they cry out right (laughs) <laughs> what have you done to me? <laughs> why, why am I being held upside down by my foot? <laughs> why am I not where I was? I was comfortable. You brought me into this world. I'm yelling, somebody help me. It's kind of a parallel there. You know, we read in two different places where at the new birth, God gives us the spirit of adoption crying, Abba, Father. We are quickened by divine grace. That is spoken of in both Galatians chapter 4 and Romans chapter 8. We are given the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And we're not a praying person apart from the grace of God. In it in our hearts, we are not the kind of person that would pray apart from God. Now, we may give vain repetition. We may, we may, in our greed of our flesh, say, All right, I've had a bad day. If there's a deity up there, you do what I say. That's what the flesh wants, right? And that's the difference between the heartfelt prayer of a child of God who's been born again and somebody in their flesh, Somebody may look up to God and say, you do what I want. I've had a bad day and I I am my own person. And if you're up there, you better do it. That's not prayer. But when a child of God is touched by the grace of God, contrition, their sin, the holiness of God, the frustrations of life, the spirit of God in them turns their mind and heart to God to where we cry from the heart, Abba, Father not only does the spirit of god teach us the need of this but i will tell you even from extension the ongoing sanctification of a believer my experience has taught me further the need of prayer i did not fully understand what prayer was until i had children (laughs) i didn't really understand it you know i thought i did you know and I, i did you know to some extent i remember before i met rebecca i prayed in the morning and at the evening, every day, Lord, send me a spouse that I would love. Send me a spouse that would love me. And Lord, in our love, that both of us would glorify you. I pray that every single day. I've told Rebecca that the answer to my prayers was her burden to bear. god answered my prayers and unfortunate to her that she was that answer so she needs continued prayers right but you know i prayed that every day so in some sense i knew what prayer was but experience further taught me the need of prayer when i had children and i held that child that was given to me by god and i held that child in my hands the first one and the fear of first messing it up But then as I lay awake at night, and I sit there thinking when they're first just an infant, are they swaddled too tight? Are they turned the right way? Are they okay? Then they go off to school. Oh, if anybody says anything, we're gonna lose it. And so I I, I walk into the house. My mother is watching Luke at that point. We walk, we have a split level house. We walk up our stairs. Then we walk in the foyer, we walk up, and my mother, bless her heart, I swear she did this on purpose. She looked at me and said, so how'd it go? And I looked at her, and I just, it it was, you've heard the term ugly cry. (laughs) I ugly cried. (laughs) I had to go to a different room and ugly cry my eyes out. And, you know, I just prayed all day. Lord, let him have a good day. Let people like him. Let him have friends. Let him do good. Lord, just keep him safe. Put a hedge of protect him about him. He's not in my company right now. I don't know how to handle him not being in my specific realm of care. Experience taught me to pray. We were in China Last year, I hear on, we FaceTime twice a day, and when it was our morning, it was the boys' night. When it was the boys' night, it was our morning. And at, when we were at night, they were waking up for school, and we FaceTimed, and we woke up, and I heard my Luke crying. First time in my life that that boy had been sick, that I had not been able to stand by his side and hold him and tell him it would be okay. Made more of a praying man out of me the inability to know that I could protect. Not only does the Spirit of God teach us to pray and teach us our need of prayer, teach us our need of holiness, teach us our need of forgiveness of sins, teach us our need of God, but experience as we continue to follow Christ, as we continue in this Christian pilgrimage, seeing our constant limitations as God gives blessings, and yet this world throws cursings, And we're in this paradigm to where we know what is right, but we constantly do wrong, and we know what we need to do, but yet we're so restricted, God teaches us to pray. But yet sometimes the words escape us. And I know in Romans chapter 8 where it said, The Spirit worketh with our spirit. That even when we cannot say what we want to say, praise be unto God, some mumblings and tears that are so incoherent that we could not write them down on a piece of paper, yet the Spirit of God translates them through Christ to where God even hears the whimpers of our soul. But yet prayer is still here shown to be in need of audible recognition. Teach us to pray. They want to know what words to say. They want to know exactly how to say it. Now, I don't think Jesus is going to hear, look, and say these are the exact words to say. Again, he's giving an outline. Here's a principle. Here's a principle. You'll notice throughout this outline, when ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He gives the first principle. It's going to involve a focused look on who God is in his person, both his father and Holy God, and we're going to look at these, these in much further depth in the coming weeks, our Father, which art in heaven. We're going to see thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven, so in earth. We're going to see how it translates to God's power and ability both in heaven and earth. We're going to see our need of God on a daily basis give us day by day, or Matthew 6 says, give us this day. Our daily bread we're given a focus not only of the need for god's power and will but equally the need of it in our life you you see how it kind of focuses transitions from a very overall look heaven earth and not just the big things god my father and not, not 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 just those big things but day by day bread and substance And then he even goes to our need of forgiveness and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. He shows interpersonal relations is needed to be prayed about. And then the final in this portion, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil, our need to be directed by God. In our life. And then we will also see in Matthew chapter 6, which is not in Luke specifically, but it is in the very end of the prayer in Matthew chapter 6. He finishes by saying, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In other words, he starts with praise and he ends with praise. So we're given an outline here, we're given a general outline or a form that's not meant to be a vain repetition, but it's given us a focus on certain things that should be integrated into prayer life. Okay, and you'll notice how he ends this with a parable from verses five through 13. After giving the prayer, because sometimes, you know, we need a little motivation to do it. I'll tell you, typically life is a good motivation to pray. When things are good, we really don't think about it. My kids never need me or ask me for anything unless something just goes shipwreck-like, right? <laughs> Nothing is—we don't need Daddy. Sometimes I'll go fix a, uh, a Lego, and they really like Legos. I've stopped putting them together because—not this Christmas, but the last Christmas— I put together multiple Minecraft sets. I put together, like, it took me hours. I walk upstairs, walk downstairs, and they're all taken apart. I'm like, never again (laughs) am I going to put those together. But, you know, sometimes they'll ask me, and then I'll go, I'll say, all right, buddy, did I take care of it? They're like, yeah, you can go away. I'm like, well, thanks. (laughs) I did my due diligence, my duty, and now daddy is not needed. And sometimes life is like that. We pray, Lord, I need you now, and then we forget later. But here we're given a focus not only on what to say, but an encouragement to prayer from verses 5 through 13. Jesus knows that we don't just need the form, but we need the encouragement to do it. We need a reason to do it, a reminder of why we should do it. All right. Now, we saw a minute ago that simple words and even an utterance of a heart is pleasing to God. I really believe that there are some child- prayers, some prayers from children that probably go a lot higher than any prayer I've ever prayed. A simple prayer of a child for help. Elder Dolph Painter mentioned when, after his wife had passed away, and he began many years later to look for a, and to diligently search God, um, look to God for his new search for a wife, and he had all of his boys come in the room and pray, and he says he wish he would have recorded those. And the reason was, is he said, I prayed, and then I told the boys to pray, and their prayers were so much better than mine. He said, and I know that I have my wife today because my boys prayed that day. And sometimes simple prayers from an honest heart go a long way, but sometimes we still need direction and how to do it. You know, some, I will bow my head sometimes, and sometimes I, I go to a place to where I try to exclude all the sound away from me. I may turn on, I, this sounds, may sound weird, but I may turn on a sound machine to just drown out the sound from outside. If nobody's home i'll turn that on just to get it away because it never fails if i go to pray i will bow my head and then all of a sudden i'll hear somebody knock on the door i'll hear my phone ring my phone will go bing somebody texted me uh, I, I may think about oh i forgot to put the clothes in the dryer it never fails when i begin to look to god in prayer all of a sudden 15 billion things that have nothing to do with pray, prayer comes to mind and so right here we're given a focus on what to say. I may forget what to say. Sometimes I'll stand in the pulpit, just look out just so I can remember everyone in their pew and who to pray for because it's easy to forget the words that we need. And so he gives us an outline. I want you to see in James 3, this paradigm that we're given. I'm sorry, James 4, James chapter 4. (coughs) Excuse me. James chapter 4 as James is here writing to those 12 tribes who have been scattered abroad during this time of persecution, and he's giving them a focus on Christian service and how to endure trials while they are scattered. Some people believe that this is possibly a commentary, that the book of James is a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. And if you ever do a parallel study of some of the principles found in Matthew chapter 5-7, through and with James, you're going to see a lot of stuff James addresses, Jesus addressed. So it's possible that this is James' commentary on the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. So it shouldn't surprise us that there are some issues mentioned here in the book of James that are also mentioned in that prayer of Luke 11 and Matthew 6. Well, here in James chapter four, he's mentioned already that there was some problems that existed in the churches that he was writing to. He mentioned that they weren't following pure and undefiled religion, keeping themselves unspotted from the world. They needed, uh, some folks were valuing those who were rich over those who were not. They would have the prominent rich sit in the best seats. And in that time you had church houses or house churches, as I would say, and you had these long couches, and you would put the person that you really wanted to be seen beside you on the couch, right? You wanted everybody to see them beside you. It wasn't like our pews. You don't have the first church house, official house of the church until somewhere in the third century, I believe it was, uh, um, in Iraq, if I'm remembering correctly. But you had house churches, and so you would put that prominent person right there, and so he addresses that to them, and even in James chapter three, he mentions the battle of the tongue that, that water can't come forth hot and cold and we need to either speak righteously or don't speak at all because it can control our entire body and then he in chapter 4 mentions the wars and battles that they were dealing with in their churches from whence come wars in verse 1 and fightings among you come they not hence even from your own your lusts that war in your members ye lust and have not Ye kill and desire to have and obtain not. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lusts. Three verses that deal with the problem that was going on in the churches at that time and then equally discuss prayer. He first says, from whence come ye wars? Where's the fighting coming from? Where is all the problems that are happening here? And he, he basically looks at them and says, what is happening among those churches is not coming from God. The battles, the fightings, the issues that are taking place, that is not coming from God himself, but that's coming from the lusts of the congregation, right? I can tell you most of the time, even if you look at it at a micro level, taking it from... A more mezzo or macro level of a congregation multiple people to a micro level of individuals let's say in a marriage if you take it to that person and you see fighting's constant fighting's among a family typically it comes from two people that think they're right and they're unwilling to budge right (laughs) coming from lust of the from the heart I'm right you're not no I'm right you're not right and right where you disagree with me is right where I disagree with you right (laughs) That's the idea. We're fighting. Some people just like to fight. And he says the issues that are existing in the congregation, they're not coming from God, but they're coming from your own lusts. And notice the way he says is that war in your members. I personally don't think this is saying members of the church here, but it's saying your body. It's coming from your physical members. Now, yes, those members are a part of members, (laughs) but he's saying those lusts are coming out of your own heart. And then he addresses why they didn't have some things, because he says, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, ye obtain, ye fight, and ye war, yet ye have not. Notice he says, you've done everything you can to have what you want, but you do not have what you desire. You've done it all. You've lusted, you've killed, you've desired, You can't obtain it. You fight war, yet you do not have it. Why is it? Why is it? First, because ye ask not. So the first thing that we see in James chapter 4 relates to prayer and teaching us to pray is again the need of prayer. One reason we pray is because we have to realize that much of what we need to be doing in life and much of what we need in life Without God's providence and general providence, and when I speak of general providence, I mean day-to-day, because there's a special providence in salvation, right? Special providence where he sent his son to die for us. But we don't need to forget that not only do we need special providence in his son, Jesus Christ, but in our general day-to-day. Brothers and sisters, I need help just tying my shoes in the morning. (laughs) Just waking up without a headache most mornings right now is a struggle, The ability to get the kids out safely to school, praying that Rebecca makes it safe. And we just recently added some app on our phones to where we can see where we're at. At all times and it's kind of cool and I understand why Jesus didn't give us an exact date to know when he would come back because now I can see what 20 minutes Rebecca's gonna be home clean quick right (laughs) we'd all be like that with the resurrection up Jesus coming back today everybody quick Uh, everybody say your forgiveness prayers right (laughs) that's the way we'd be we'd be we'd be saying Lord I'm so sorry let's 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 go to church let's have a prayer meeting you know that's the way we'd be But, you know, we have this app just to watch, but at the end of the day, without God's general providence and caring for us, we wouldn't make it. In him, we move, have our being. And we have to recognize that in prayer, we're telling God that without you, we can't make it. When a child looks to you and says, I need something, what that child's saying is, without you, I can't do this. When a child cries that can't even verbalize words because they're hungry what they're saying is that without you providing for me I would perish and when we stop fighting for ourselves and simply look to God in prayer what we're saying is Lord I'm not going to try to do it myself I know that I can't I know that I won't but without you I have nothing and I am completely at your mercy that's what we're telling God and when when we do the opposite what we're saying is I will do it myself the lust of my own heart the fightings of my own flesh warring in my members but he says you don't have because you're not asking so we should remember that asking is an important part to our Christian service it enables us to continue in our christian experience it helps us we shouldn't forget that the ordinary way in which god strengthens us is through the way in which he has dictated in his word hearing the preaching of the word the study of the word singing hymns is important for us praying praying helps strengthen us praise god that regardless of if i ever utter another word in prayer that god's foundation stands sure He knows them that are his, and I am preserved in Christ, yet at the same time in my daily walk. This can truly hinder me if I forget where my source of strength lies. But then he says, not only do y'all have not because you ask not, you're not actually asking, you're not actually praying, but then James says in verse 3, ye ask and receive not. Sometimes we can ask and we don't receive. And I'll turn it around to kind of give a vivid example of this. You know, it says here, because ye ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lusts. But I want you to think about it in this fashion. When a child walks up and says, hey, I want food now. <laughs> what would your be your reaction? Let's try better words, right? Or it would be, let's try that again turn 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 that turn those words a little bit differently You, you do ask yet for some reason you still do not have two reasons it could be like this again the form and outline that we're given in Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6 we may not be following the way that it is sometimes we may be asking but sometimes we may be asking rudely to God in our verbal prayer Think about this, our verbal prayer, how do we address God? Now, I don't think that you have to necessarily, I remember when I was young um, at Ebenezer, most of the time when I, uh, certain people were called on to pray, I knew exactly how they would start, and some of y'all have been around Ebenezer and know what I'm talking about. They would say, from everlasting to everlasting thou art God, and they would begin this train of descriptions of God, and I'm not against that. I'm not saying that you have to say that or don't have to say that, but I will say this, in the words in which we approach God, sometimes God answers our prayers according to how we approach him. If I walk up to God like Job, as for example, Lord, this is an unjust punishment. Look at everything that I've done. I'm righteous man. Why haven't you blessed me? Why haven't you been with me? I don't deserve this. Other men deserve this. I'm a good human being. Lord, what is wrong with this situation? And then God finally shows up. He was there the whole time, but he shows up in vivid expression to Job, and Job just looks and says, hand over the mouth, Lord. I'm sorry. (laughs) We ask and have not because we ask amiss. That's not to say we can't be honest with God. We went over the book of Habakkuk last year. We know we can wrestle with God in prayer. Yet we have to remember he is still God. And not only... Do we ask amiss in the way that we ask it, but equally from the position of the heart? Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Why are we praying to God? Why is it that I bow my head to God? Typically in our society, and i get it we want to know a little bit about a church why do you go to the church you go to why do you go to the church you go to and there are certain things that i prefer over other things just as a preference you know there are certain things that i do prefer but, you know i, I kind of like padded pews <laughs> let's just use that for an example i remember going to a church in alabama that had two slots behind me, and I will tell you this, you are not falling asleep in that congregation. We may need to bring that back, <laughs> you know. Hey, you are not falling asleep in those pews, but I prefer padded pews. I can lean back, I can get comfortable, but that's a preference. Why am I going to worship God? Why am I praying to God? Sometimes you'll hear people talk about why they go to a church, and they go down this laundry list of reasons, and each one of them is not because god is holy god is good god is the savior of my soul god has dictated in his word the way in which i am to approach in him he is the way the truth and the life he is everything he tells me how to act how to worship how to live and therefore because i want to follow him i go to this church you know that's just an example sometimes people say well they got this they got that i really like this sometimes we adopt that in prayer. The attitude of prayer. Teach us to pray, Lord. Not teach us to find ways to get what we want, to name it and claim it. To say, I claim this in the name of my Lord. You claim nothing before your God. You humbly bow your head and submit to him and be thankful that through God and him as your substitutionary atonement, that we are given the availability to approach God in the most holy of holies because without God's sacrifice, we have nothing to claim. And he says, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it on your own, upon your own lusts. Sometimes we ask with the wrong attitude and therefore we look to Jesus who in this model prayer addresses our attitude, addresses our words, addresses our walk, addresses our needs. He even addresses our praise in these few short verses. Lord, teach us to pray. How often have we asked that question? Two things I want to say in closing. How long have we thought that we need direction in prayer? Singing, we can just pick a hymn, right? There's songs written. Preaching, well... (laughs) That's up to you, you know you, know, you know. you do that, preacher. Well, even then, I'm supplied the word of God as my foundation and end source for every sermon. Lord, what am I to say to you when I bow my head? Because it is the most privileged gift that we could ever have to bow our head and to speak to the most holy God. Teach us to pray. And ultimately, as we go about this week and thinking of how we are to pray, Is there anybody around us who would see us again as Jesus prayed, as John prayed, would come to us and say, Can I mimic you? Do you know how I can pray? Lord, teach us. Let us pray. Our gracious God, wonderful Father, the most sovereign God and holy, we thank you so much for the blessings you've given us, and we ask, Lord, that you as you do all things perfectly that you would apply the way to pray in our hearts that you would lead us not to be distracted in prayer but Lord that you would let us stay focused on your son give us Lord all the substance we we need through your preached words singing and prayer and Lord allow us to have a heart of forgiveness that as we bow down before you that we would have no bitterness no guile no wickedness in our hearts, but, Lord, that we would seek you in all things with a pure heart. O oh, gracious God, I pray now that we would sing praises to you, knowing that you have given us a form and order to follow, to know how we are to approach you, both in word and attitude. Dear God, teach us to pray, and, Lord, help us to teach others, both in the way that we do it, but also, Lord, that they would see us and know through the light that shines from your Son, Jesus Christ, in our hearts, that we are a praying people. Oh, gracious God, we ask these things in your wonderful and most holy name. And amen.